I'm Stuart Sheldon. My name's Ron Rothberg. 30 years ago, I was on Wall Street. I was the youngest vice president at my fancy company, but that's not what I wanted to do. After spending nearly 25 years in media, I knew things were changing, both in the industry and inside me. Swan Dive shares the powerful stories of those who had the clarity and backbone to make a major life pivot to their vision. I took a Swan Dive. I have been an artist ever since, and it's the best choice I ever made. Getting closer to who you really are. That's Swan Dive. Joshua Deitch walked away from his successful chiropractic practice to lean into his passion. And in doing so, he created a real estate empire in Marin County, California, built on candor and authenticity. I pretty much share whatever is on my mind, you know, even with clients, appropriate and inappropriate. And I'm real about it. That's the beauty about this business as a real estate agent. I imagine it crosses over to other platforms, but is the more honest you are, the more successful you end up being in this business, which is so cool. Being true to yourself and understanding the difference between something you love and your true passion. This is another edition of Swan Dive. From the Peacock and Park Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, and in Costa Rica at the Fancy Nasty Studios, welcome to another edition of Swan Dive with Ron Rothberg and Stu Sheldon. Stu, we're coming on about a year. We've got a milestone. We've been rec- we recorded our first episodes a year ago, man, and uh, I- I'm coming full circle. And I can't wait to talk to our guest uh, today because it brings us back to this full circle of those feelings I felt like right at the beginning of of making these changes, and how real and f- powerful they are. Um, we all get hung up on those things: the mortgages, the kids, uh, everything. Uh, and, and we put a lot of ourselves on the back burner. And when we start to boil, magic happens. And <laughs> I can't wait to uh, have conversations about how people boil and, and maybe get other folks to turn up the pot from simmer to boil. So Yeah, nice metaphor, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty stoked these days. I'm just feeling like I'm in a good place. I'm feeling like the world's kind of heading the right direction, hopefully. And I'm digging on people that have made choices in light of COVID, in light of the paradigmatic shift that we've all kind of experienced um, towards things that are are much more productive, much more optimistic, much more soul-satisfying. Uh, our guest today is... Joshua Deitch. And I've known Josh now for probably the better part of 25 years. Um, uh, And Josh's story is unique. It's somewhat counterintuitive and we're going to dive into it. Um, So I'm going to read the bio first and then we'll get into the the real talk. Uh, Josh Deitch changed the game in residential real estate in Marin County. He has set sales records. He's amassed a legion of ecstatic clients. He brings an athlete's passion and competitive spirit to work each day, setting him apart in what can be a cookie-cutter profession. He started as a professional basketball player in Israel in his 20s. Then he built a thriving decade-long career as a successful Bay Area chiropractor. I was a very satisfied and devoted patient of his. After enjoying the renovation of several Mill Valley homes for himself, 
Josh decided to turn his avocation to his vocation. In 2001, he left his successful chiropractic gig to focus on luxury real estate full-time. And from day one, he did things differently, trusting his aesthetic intuition and strategically spending money to make money. Each property is staged and presented in all its potential glory, and the results speak for themselves. Countless seven-figure transactions, multiple awards, and as I said, ecstatic clients. During his time as a pro ball player, all Josh wanted was to play. Inside game, outside game, it didn't matter. It was about the hustle and the excitement. And he brings that same intensity to the real estate game. It's more than just a career. It's his hobby. It's his passion. Josh, welcome to Swan Dive, brother. That's amazing. Is that my bio? <laughs> That's your bio when it runs through the stew machine, but more or less. You can hire was, him. You can stage I your bio with him. That. That was awesome. <laughs> You're awesome, bro. You didn't know it, man. But uh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, it's what's what's really interesting to me, Josh. Is as I said, I was I was your patient. Um, let me set the table a little bit more intimately. Josh had a his dad was a chiropractor. We went to school together. You went, you went to, to school together. Hmm, okay, they went to school together, year. and and Josh has an incredible sort of bedside manner. He's very affable, very handsome, very just a charming guy who makes you feel very at ease. Um, but he had an office in San Francisco, kind of a beat up part of town, but nice <laughs> office. And then he moved across the bridge to Mill Valley where he set up the Cafe of Life, which was this sort of dreamy utopian space. Um, and, and with kind of multi-holistic practices, there was massage and there were various types of PT and his chiropractic practice. And it was beautiful. And if anyone that knows Mill Valley, it's just a kind of groovy little town. It's kind of perfect. Were you succeeding and enjoying your work at that time? In the best way I could sum it up and then I could go deeper into it is, you know, I loved being a chiropractor, but I'm passionate about doing what I do now. And they're two different things, love and passion in my, in my book. And um, did I love, I mean, was it successful? Yes, it was very successful. And at the same time, you know, were there things and attributes that I didn't like about it? Like when there was a period of time when I had like 20 employees and I felt like I was managing more than helping people, that was tough for me or working from eight in the morning till seven thirty at night, straight through. And I would see sometimes 70, 75 people in a full day, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'd be emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually burnt by the end of the day. Like I, I couldn't talk afterwards. I was, I was kind of, I was, you know, my, my energy would go pretty shut down, which make it made it difficult for family and kids and, and what have you. Cause I left it all in the field every day when I was out there adjusting I think that most challenging thing for me while I was a chiropractor was two things. One is, um, you know, I, I knew the intent of what I was doing. You know, the concept was you're moving a bone off a nerve so the body heals itself better. And it was a really simple principle and philosophy that I really loved. I mean, I, I, I kind of subscribed to that philosophy and it taught me a lot about life. Uh, when I was 13 years old, I mean, that's really when I first, I was like, wait, you can move something off a nerve and the body heals itself. And you could do that with your hands. I'm like, I'm in. Um, but there was definitely a point where I started going, well, how do I know I'm moving a bone off a nerve? Like where, where's the, you know, real, like, how do I know and verify that I did that? 
And so I, there was definitely a period of practice where I struggled with that. But at the same time, what over overrode that was, you know, I see all these people um, and the fact is they just wouldn't come back if they were getting shitty results or crappy mm. results, right? Like there was certainly a vol, you know, it wasn't because they signed up for some long, they, there was some serious volunteerism of coming back for year after year after year of care that, that, that doesn't happen because you're have good bedside manner or handsome, right? Mm. Um, at least I don't think it does. Um, and then the second thing that was really difficult over time for me was, um, was, you know, uh, everybody's different. And I, I had, you know, I authentically care about how well people were getting or not. Um, and with that, when you're seeing that many people, there are going to be people, people who don't get well and a few that get worse. And fortunately, knock on wood, I never had like a, a malpractice issue ever or anything like that. But if they didn't get well, it was like a dagger to my heart. I was just mm. like, Oh my God, you know? And, 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 and so, you know, you get two or three of those a day, which would be a routine, right? After that many people, I'd come home hurt, you know? And um, so those two things were the most, the, like the things that I struggled with most is, you know, the, the super long hours, um, you know, leaving it on the field, not knowing exactly what I was doing, but intuitively knowing it was feeling right. Um, and um caring too much if you will and i don't believe in caring too much so just caring a lot to the degree that i'm you know it depleted me right um, but that wasn't you know that yeah it was it was so it's a long process of 10 years you know tell me tell me go back to this you mentioned it that the difference in your definitions of passion and love um passion is something like to me that um that is a quest you're constantly going after, right? The story just doesn't end. The movie doesn't end. It just, it keeps, it keeps rolling. Right. Whereas love is just like a given. I love this person and I kind of love them, whether they're good or bad, happy or sad. It just doesn't matter. It's a, a general feel. Right. And so passion though is much more active. And I think love is much more passive. Hmm. Um, I look at it. Interesting. So you loved your patients. You loved yes. your practice. You yes. loved your 20 employees. Yes, most of the time. You fell out of passion for all, all the above. Yeah, because the mental, physical, spiritual, emotional part was was so taxing that it you know it, it kind of depleted me. But I wasn't conscious of it either, though. Um uh, I, you know, I was um I was, you know, because I'm such a driver and you know, I'm the one who who will leave it all, you know, I'll go to the to the end. Um, and do whatever it takes to get there until I, you know, until I die. And so I didn't really recognize that until years after. Hmm. How many years? Years, like three years, three, four years. I mean, um, I just, I look back and I realize that, wow, I can't believe I did that, you know, for so long. Hmm. So Josh, so, so then tell us what your swan dive was. Um, first of all, it's such a cool name metaphor, all of it, you know, cause I, I actually have a video of when I was at the pool, like a year ago doing these huge swan dives. I'm not a diver, but it was so fun, you know, to just do it. It felt like being a little kid, you know, um, and you just put out your arms, you're like, Hey, <laughs> so, um, my moment was, 
I, um, I, there was a year in my 10th year of practice where I got nailed by, I was, I was, so the way I, I worked with my energy depletion is I would go out and cycle for a couple hours a day. I remember you. Yeah, to clear out my brain and my mind, you know, and because I wasn't physically exhausted, although sometimes I was, it was just mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So I'd go out for three, four hour rides on a regular basis. Um, and then one time I was riding home after finishing a ride and this 90 year old woman like plowed into me. I was going like 20 miles an hour on the bike and flipped over and, and it was my first real, real accident. Um, wow. And um and that was a wake-up call, and I tore a little ligament in my wrist, and I tore a ligament in my knee, and um, it took me out of practice for a good four or five months um, from being able to adjust. Now, I was able to manage the practice and what, what have you, but I, I couldn't be in there getting my hands on people. And so that happened, um, and that was the start. And then when my knee and wrist started healing, I started practicing again, literally, but two or three weeks later, I was skiing a powder day. And when my second turn went down on, uh, on, on this little area off Scott chair and, um, fell and started sliding and my hip went into a huge rock, like super jagged rock. And it looked like a, like a, like a grenade hit my hip, Mm. Um, you know, right into surgery. It was gnarly. Um, and that was like literally right after I not even fully recovered, but just started recovering from my injury um, from the bike accident. So then that took me out for literally four more months out of practice because it was such a gnarly injury. It had a seroma. I mean, it's like it looked like Jaws bit my hip off, right? Then when that started healing and get to a place where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to start practice again, I got on my mountain bike. And I've been an active dude like that my whole life, never got hurt never right so this is like all sequential in one year right then i'm riding my mountain bike and i tap my front brake a little rolls out the front wheel i put my hand down and crack my bone in my my hand and those were the three like i you know i told you so in the first accident you know and then the second and then the third and so i remember being in my office chair in the office you know with a cast in my hand and looking at the computer screen, listening to everybody in there, and and I just said, yeah, I looked right next door to Seth, my you know good buddy and chiropractor friend, who I brought in to the practice, you know, two or three years prior. I turned my chair and I looked at him and I said, I'm done. Hmm. I'm done. You can help the practice. I will work out the details. No matter what, I'll work it out in your favor. I don't, you know, we don't need to negotiate or discuss it now. I just, it will be easy for you, I promise. But I'm done, and I'm gonna, I'm not coming back. And that was it. I walked out. Wow. And did you already have the the, the sort of blueprint in your mind for stepping right in? Because I remember, you know, I left the Bay Area in '09, and you had already done you had made one beautiful house that i think you had just sold and you had bought another one and that one was underway but you were kind of on this yeah i mean you dug it you really dug doing that and you were good at that 
Yeah. So, so you had done it a couple times and then, but, but so did you just pivot straight into it or did you just yeah. take some time or what, what happened then? Well, while, while I was injured, I got my real estate license thinking, you know, I need to think about a backup plan if I, if I continue to get hurt. instead, of Right. So that's one thing, but I never thought about being a real estate agent full time. Like that was simply to acquire my own projects. Right. And I had this vision uh, that, you know, I see these, you know, kind of older gentlemen like sitting around the coffee shop and having coffee and then walking around town. I'm like, dude, I want to do that. You know, that was <laughs> so and um so and and as a developer, you have that flexibility. Being a developer, if you nailed it, you know, which was all on the buy side and you had the right vision, it worked. Like you can make a you know a good chunk of change every time as long as you were smart and as long as you bought it right. And so far I was my batting average was really good at that point in time. But I hadn't hit the big leagues yet, so um, which is you know further down the through to 2017. But yeah, my plan was I was going to be a part-time realtor, like a hobbyist realtor, primarily for myself. That's why I got my license, and I was going to be a full-time real estate developer. I was working on you know two more houses in Sycamore Park, and I had those secured. I'm like, you know what? I'll make a good chunk on each one of those. And then I had two more big projects coming up, three more big projects coming up after that. So I was like, I saw the runway that was possible for the next six, seven years of work, you know, now I wasn't prepared for the twists and turns that it brought me, but, but, um, but that, that, that was, that was my plan when, when I said, I'm, I'm done, I'm never coming back again. And right. So, you know, it's funny because when I was in, in, Colorado and trying to figure out how to make some money too and not sure what I was going to be when I grew up. I got my real estate license and I I find that real estate licenses and law degrees tend to be the kind of I don't know what I want to do so I'm just going to get that <laughs> and it's sort of the backup desperation, you know, thing that you put in your hip pocket for a lot of people. Yeah. However, um your journey down that path intrigues me. Um because you did it different from day one, and you're like, "Listen, man, I, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna stage your house. It's gonna cost you twenty grand, all right. But I'm telling you right now, we're gonna get like a hundred more for the house. You're gonna sell it faster. And like, you just got this kind of you need to throw money at a project at a good project, quality money, and and it's gonna change the game on the on the back end dramatically. And you just kind of got this intuitively. You had this very sophisticated aspect that saw the game doing it with style, with sophistication. Where did that come from? So I treat everyone like family as clients, right? So the bottom line is I would go to a house if they asked me to list it. And I would say, listen, if it was mine or you were my brother, this is what I would do. And it's easier for me not to tell you not to do any of these things, but I'm ready to not only share with you what I would do, I'll execute it all for you. You know, I have all the, the, the vendors, the teams, the painters, the everything. And if, you know, and this was years ago when I started, I was like, and if you can't afford it right now, I'll pay for it yeah. and just pay me back. That's how much I believe in it. That's what I was able to do is, is, is to basically apply my skill as a developer, which is vision, execution, style, aesthetic to, uh, to appeal to the broad, you know, not just a certain population, but everybody. I don't care if you like modern or craftsman. If you, you know, 
whoever walked in the house is going to go, this is beautiful. Mm. Right. And it feels great. You know, and the so- other through line I feel from you is just this confidence, you know, probably started on the basketball court, right? You got to be confident with where you're throwing the ball and where you're running a play, but, and running your business, did you have this exuding confidence? Do you feel that as, as something that might've have helped you to, uh, to keep those clients incredibly happy? I think it's confidence is really important and it goes in and out, you know, for me, at least it goes in and out of, you know, levels, right? Seven, sometimes a 10, sometimes a six, sometimes it all depends what day, but I think the higher answer to that is authenticity. I'm, I pretty much share whatever is on my mind, you know, even with clients appropriate and inappropriate. And, um, and again, I treat them like they are family and, and they know that I know I look at, I love making money. I want to retire young. I, you know, but I, I work like my work ethic is as if I was poor and can barely put food on the table. But my posture when I'm with clients is I want to make sure this is right. I'm not feeling it from you. Hmm. You know, you know, that, you know, is very counter, you know, it's a paradoxical skill almost. And, um, and I'm real about it. Like I, you know, when you're, you know, that's the beauty about this business as a real estate agent. I imagine it crosses over to other platforms, but is the more honest you are, the more successful you end up being in this business, which is so cool. And because um, you're building clientele for life. I mean, they feel it. They, It's not even what you say. It's just how you're saying it. So and when did you learn that piece of it? How did that, that was, come? I think that was chiropractic for sure. You know, And that's my nature. It's in my, it's in my nature. I just care like my, you know, I just care a lot about people a lot, you know. So I care um, enough about you to say the dirty truth. Absolutely. Especially in real estate. And my knowledge base for real estate is huge. So, or thick, the lenses are thick. So I'm not afraid, like, I'm not afraid to send the email that might kill the deal at all. Right. You mm. know, and, and, and they, again, they feel that for me almost all the time, you know, um, and it's refreshing and it's authentic. It's refreshing for me. It's freedom. How long was it before you kind of found that next lane and you were just like humming and those gears were firing and you were, you, you're like, all right, I, 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 this is right. Well, I mean, if I go back to the beginning, I remember I did my first deal. This guy um, who was a friend of ours at the time, you know, still is. He's like, hey, we're thinking about buying this house and we want, to, want you to put an offer in for us. And I'm like, me? And he's like, yeah, you. I'm like, dude, I, don't, I barely know what I'm doing. He's like, we want you to do it. Okay. And and I never forget. And I did it. And I, you know, you know, and I knew the contract. So I knew because I've been through like 22 personal escrows by the time I was a first time real estate agent, I knew all the strategies on how to leverage a contract. And I was surprised. Very few people knew how very few agents knew how, like how to leverage the contingency or leverage this or leverage that or open-minded or think out of the box or make creative offers. And so I remember I did that first deal and I was like, I can't believe you get paid for this. I'm like, I would do this for free, <laughs> you know, but it wasn't always easy. It wasn't just like off to the races. And I had a very natural affinity for, for real estate language and deal dynamics. Part of that authenticity level is also being authentic with all the other, my colleagues, other real estate agents. And they, it's refreshing for them too. They're so used to so many 
assholes and douchebags and everything. And so um, I just treat them really kindly, you know, because I was authentic too. I love them. You know, it's like, why, why would I be mean to the dude I need to make a deal with? Right. 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 Why, and if I did, it would just because of the ego or some, you know, something that is just probably worthless. I did this big project in Tiburon in a super sexy modern house. I entered the big leagues, right? It was like a 4,400 square foot house. I went way over budget. Thank God my partner is the only time I ever had a partner. And thank God I did because he was like, listen, because I was three and a half million over budget on that house in itself. But it sold for like 8.25 million bucks in a week. And I was like, oh my God, I did it, right? And I'm like, let's go do it again. And I had two other gigantic projects in Mill Valley. And um, really quickly, you know, during building this driveway was supposed to be like 250,000 bucks. It was like 800,000 bucks. And the foundations were supposed to be like 450. They were like a million four each. Like I was $4 million over budget in the first third of the project. Mm. This time I had no partners. I had I had issues with the planning commission. I had issues with neighbors. And this is where my real estate career was taking off. It was during this massive tidal wave coming my way personally on every level. Like, I mean, we're talking, I was such a runaway train building those houses. And even though I was being very successful in the real estate agency world, I mean, I, I was depressed in bed for three and a half months. Mm. Yeah. Uh, to the degree I was like, if I didn't have kids, I was like, I'm fucking done. Yeah. Like, this is not worth it. I'm fucking, wow. Yeah. Wow. I, this is, this is, this is, I, you know, I want to do over, you yeah. know, sound like it, mus- muscle on bone. It was muscle. It was, it was bone. <laughs> on bone. That's all right. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was, it was horrible. And, um, and found my way out of it, but I was, you know, I was uber, uber depressed. Like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, it was a mess. Well, you know, that's, I mean, that's hard to hear, but it's refreshing to hear because like so many of our guests, you know, I mean, we invite you on our show because you're making moves and you're doing beautiful things and you've made big choices that have worked out. But invariably, when you dig under the surface a little bit, you know, you start to get to the dirt and there's a lot of dirt, man. You don't get to where you got and where you are um, without taking that pain. And uh and I'm glad you shared that with us. I appreciate it. So let's, let's, but let's fast forward to the sweet stuff. Um, looking on your site, you know, I'm looking at deals you've done not so long ago. Um, I see a $24 million deal on there. Those are always nice. And <laughs> it seems like you kind of created this space where there's your way and there's everyone else's way and your way's better. So, I mean, are you really sort of in the pocket now and this is just who you want to be when you grow up and you're just loving it? Um, the answer is yes, for sure. I'm also an adventurer, you know, and so I do sometimes like I, you know, one day I want to be a metal art sculpturist out in Stinson beach. Yeah. I'm, I'm like usually really gung ho about what I'm doing on a regular basis, like super stoked. Um, and it's hard. I check in with myself and ask, is it an addiction is it because you make money doing it and that's why you love doing it? Is it just because like, you know, so I'm, and the answer oscillates a lot. Sure. It's exciting to close a, you know, huge deal. And it's also great to enjoy the accolades of the money or even the attention of it all. 
But I, again, that's where I always go back to this kind of sport idea. It's like, I just still love the sport of it. You know, I, and, and like you could be competitive, but really graceful. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give me, you know, and, and, and the stuff that comes out um, with it is like, I, like I just lost on a deal on a competitive deal situation for some great clients. And, and the reason why is I knew they had to go higher, but I knew they were uncomfortable there. And I'm not afraid to push when I feel it's a, the window's open, but their window wasn't open, right? So we just, we had to go through that motion. And now they now they know for next time, right? But it wasn't that I wanted to give them that lesson. That's just where we were, right? But like the, the coolest thing was like, we lost and the, you know, the agent called me and told me and this and then I, and I, and we hung up and she called me back and she's like, you know, I just want to let you know, I've heard your name all over the place, this and that. And she goes, now I know why. Mm. Now I know why they say what they say about you. You know, because I was uh-huh. like, you know, I completely understand. They did this. They did this, you know. And because most people are like, you're an asshole. Why would you let mm. them do that? Why didn't you give me, you know what I mean? Like, I played my best game on that deal. You know, I really did. So can I ask yeah. you, who was the coach that instilled being a gentleman on the co- court? Who was that? Well, that's a really good question. Um, probably my dad, my dad's nature, you know, my, my dad's just a lover of life and lover of people. And I've watched that all my life. And and so um, we always give the benefit of the doubt to people. You know, it's, 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 um, we, it's just more fun to trust someone, Yeah, you know? Um, That's a nice thing to say, Josh. Yeah. It's just more fun, yeah. you know? And so, Agreed. So him, I think my dad, you know, he's, he's got his own shortfall sometimes, but the, he is cool as hell. You know, I went, like I said, I went to school with him for four years in a row. We lived together and went to school together, same classes and everything. That's nuts. <laughs> How <laughs> many people can say that? That's it's incredible. Funny. That's incredible. It's so close to back to school. It's not even funny. We partied <laughs> together. We did everything together. That is so Wow. Funny. The high wow. dive, everything. That's awesome. The triple Lindsay. His, <laughs> his dad actually nailed the triple triple Lindy. Yeah. And um, a swan dive. Yeah, yeah and, and now the son does the swan dive. Yeah. So, hey, Josh, um, how do you identify yourself? What is your identity? You know, I, I um, part of my nature also is, is I just want people to feel good around me. That's all there is to it. You know, in, in, and, you know, again, I can check with myself. Is that lack of self-esteem? Is that power? You know, I think it it oscillates where the, where it's being sponsored from. But um, but ultimately, I whether it's my girlfriend or people around me in my community or my kids, I just want them to feel good around me. You know, I want them to feel good. And if I can impact that, I will. No, and I'll give it a try. And if it doesn't work, I'll try it from a different angle. And if it doesn't work, I'll try one more last time, different angle. And if I, I get the message, I get the message, but otherwise I'm going to try. And, and it doesn't matter if it's just making eye contact with someone at the coffee shop or passing by or what have you. I just want you to feel good. Yeah. Right. How mm. did the, uh, how did COVID affect your business this year? What was your, uh, business like this year? So funny. You know, um, COVID hit and I was so stoked for, you know, selfishly speaking, because I was like, oh my God, I could use a break. Hmm. Right. And here I am, like, I was literally wearing sweatpants and sweatshirt 
every fucking day for <laughs> 14 days straight right uh-huh. and everything was kind of quiet and my son and i were taking like four hour walks into like nowhere you know just trails and wherever we ended up because the streets were empty it was like the abyss and um and i had luckily last year you know a really good january february march like where i was like you know what if this is it for the year i'm okay well, i think we're okay you know, <laughs> nice you know i thought it was over in march for the year for sure um and then and then it just it it was you know there was like a 10 percent pullback in the market for about three weeks during the most critical time of covid in the bay area and then boom like this big paradox happened and all these folks from san francisco who are like tired of being in their apartments and they have kids and you know here we are living in nature just 10 minutes away mm. they're like i want there and so the market just took off and it's it's been elevating ever since. Yeah. You know, it's amazing so, what's happened. I couldn't have ever predicted it. And, um, and it was a perfect storm here in the Bay area, at least because, you know, all of a sudden a lot of companies were being sought, bold, you know, sold and bought and, and, or going public and the lockups were, I mean, so it's like, it's just like a waterfall, man, of, um, it's a great rush. I mean, and, and, you know, it's, it's been really robust. You know, it's funny. I, I told Stu before we got on, um, there was a great quote from Biden I read today. It said, let not let, let this not be a story of how far we fell, but how far we climbed back up. Or perhaps in your instance, how many miles you climbed with your son. Um, some really yeah. good memories and some good opportunities. And I, I, I'm so glad that you shared that because we have to really take into context how much we can bring this thing up, you know? Uh, you as an ever the optimist and making others feel good around you. That, 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 that's, that's what this was all about this year. I'm glad to hear that. Josh, yeah. you talked, you talked about um, losing that, you know, that work-life balance basically back in the day at cafe of life where you'd go from seven to eight and come home and just, you couldn't speak. And I'm sure your relationship suffered and so forth. Do you feel like you've found that balance? Are you, are you feeling more healthy in that respect? Hmm. <laughs> It's different. Um, uh, no, no. I mean, I, I'm, I, I, I charge pretty hard every day or if I'm on vacation, you know, I'm, I'm pretty glued to it. I, I don't turn off the volume. I'm like at a 10 or 11 almost all the time, except Burning Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was my favorite reason for going is just, yeah, man, no money there. Yeah. Um, what are you most proud of? You know, I, this, you know, my, the go-to is like my kids, my kids are on their own journey, you know, whether it's my daughter or my son, I, you know, um, I was proud of just where I'm at, you know, and where, how I show up in the world, you know, how I show up in the world. I, Cause I, it's not manipulation that why I'm nice to people and why I love people. And, you know, it's sometimes I maybe use it divisively, but large, large share. And even when I do, I'm still in love with the person, you know? Um, so I think just where I'm at and how I show up. Right on. That's a great answer. And I, and I affirm that knowing you, like I said, I, it was kind of counterintuitive 
okay, guy's a big real estate agent. You know, not many people sort of, there's a lot of romance sort of, it swirls around this idea of the swan dive. You know, I want to be a concert pianist, but I'm an insurance agent. So I'm going to, you know, but no, it doesn't have to be that, you know, you, you kind of did it in reverse. At least it appears that way on the surface, but obviously that's not true when you dig in a little bit and it's beautiful and your success is just delightful. You deserve it. You're an honorable guy. And, um, thank you. I'm just glad that you're doing up, that you're showing up every day and doing, doing you because the world needs more just frank people and kind people and, and smart people. And you're all those things, man. So I'm really glad that you should. And passion and love, passion and love baby. And, uh, and thanks for joining us, brother. It's really sure. it's nice to share your story and and watch you watch you, your 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 flower unfold. Thank you, my man. It, it, we, you know, Stu, I I remember your first adjustment in my office in that crappy area of San Francisco. You know, <laughs> Do you really? Uh, totally, like it was yesterday. I'm not even joking. You were wearing blue jeans and no underwear, probably because like, <laughs> you know, like your jeans are like hanging down low and yep. I think a white t-shirt and I was like, dude, is it not bad? I remember like it was yesterday. Right on, man. Well, listen, you you're you're good doc, and that that was that was cool. So yeah, man, it's funny how time flies. I mean, it's 20, 20 years ago and and it just keeps on moving, but uh but it's good. We're good. Life is grand and we're lucky. We're the lucky ones. And, and so. Stu still has a nice little tushy. That's nice. Yeah, and I'm not wearing any underwear right now either. So there. <laughs> I do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, people. Uh, that's what we do on Swan Dive. Uh Josh Deitch, you are the man. Thank you for joining us on another edition of Swan Dive. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Swan Dive. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and share this episode. Also, we are building a new season of Swan Dive. So if you or you know someone who has experienced a Swan Dive in their life, please hit us up and contact us through our website, www.swandive.us.